Our reading this morning is taken from the second letter of Peter, chapter 1, and we'll read together from the verses 1 to 11. Two Peter one. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ. May grace and mercy be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So far. You may recall in January this year, I read a sermon to you that was part of a series from Reverend Hart, In that sermon, aside from a general introduction and overview of the letter, we also saw how we have been given everything we need for godliness. And on that occasion, we focused on verse 1 to 4. And should I be giving an opportunity, I do hope to work my way through this series a bit further. But for now, it's good to keep in mind that this sermon is number two of a nine-part series. And we'll be focusing our attention today on the verses 5 and 8 through 11. We'll just read those again. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. And then verse 8, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ.
Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, make every effort to supplement your faith. What a strange thing for Peter to write. 2 Peter 1 verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Or as other Bible translations put it, make every effort to add to your faith. So what does it mean to supplement or add to your faith? Isn't faith enough? Didn't the Apostle Paul say in Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So why is Peter now writing that you are to supplement your faith? The Bible does indeed teach us that our salvation is Christ's work from the beginning to end. We cannot save ourselves, nor can we add anything to our salvation. But the Bible also says something else. Let's take a moment to read through a number of short verses from the New Testament to see what the Bible does say and to set the scene a little. We'll read a number of verses. We'll be reading from Ephesians 2 verse 10. We'll also look at Titus 3 verse 8. James 2 verse 17, Matthew 7 verse 19, Luke 13 verse 24, and Philippians 3 verse 12, and then we'll finish with some verses from 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24 to 27. So firstly, Ephesians 2. So we read in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then directly after that, we read, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. James 2, verse 17. Actually, sorry, we'll do Titus 3, verse 8 first. Titus is the last of the three T's. Thessalonians, Timothy, and then comes Titus. And we read verse 8 of chapter 3. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. And then we turn to James. It's between Hebrews and Peter. So if faith by itself... So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And then Matthew 7, verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will also recognise them by their fruits. So, so far we see that the Bible not only calls us to faith, but also to a life of faith. And the Bible also calls us then to press on in the faith. And this is what we see in Luke 13, verse 24. 
Luke 13, verse 24. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. And then we turn to Philippians 3, verse 12, which is just after Ephesians. Where it says, verse 12, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And lastly, we look at a few verses from 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through to 27. One Corinthians nine, verse twenty-four. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. So although we are saved by grace through Christ alone, it is absolutely necessary for us to make every effort to live a godly life. In fact, if we don't, 2 Peter 1 tells us, not only will we be ineffective or unfruitful, but we will be placing our salvation in jeopardy. So how are things with you? I think it's safe to say that most of us want to live a godly life. Most of us want to be holy. Most of us want to be mature in faith. But do you want to strive? Are you prepared to make every effort to grow? Do you want to make every effort to add or supplement your faith as 2 Peter 1 verse 5 commands us to do? To want to be godly and to live a godly life is an easy thing to say, but it's not an easy thing to do. The easy thing to do is sin. The easy thing to do is to get so caught up in this life, in living this life, that you hardly have time to think about supplementing your faith. The easy thing to do is simply go along with the crowd. The easy thing to do is to say, so long as I stay within the bounds of what others think is acceptable, then I'm okay. So long as I go to church, so long as I pray, so long as I don't go off the deep end, it's all good. But to exert myself, to talk about growing, to talk about adding or supplementing, now that's going a bit too far. But the Bible says, press on. Spare no expense. Make every effort. Whatever it costs to follow your Saviour, do it. And so I preach God's word to you from 2 Peter 1 under the following message. Make every effort to add to your faith. We will see the reason to add to your faith and the way to add to your faith. So firstly, the reason to add to your faith. There are, of course, many people who are striving, who do want to live good and upright, a good and upright life, but not everyone is doing this for the right reason. Many non-Christians are, on one level, good people. 
devoted to caring for the world and to the welfare of all the men, women and children in the world. Others do good so that might be noticed and hopefully be rewarded in one way or another. And still others, such as Muslims and Hindus, try to be good people in an effort to please their God or else to help them along their journey of reincarnation into the next life. But even Christians will make every effort to do good for the wrong reasons. Some people are scared, either of God himself or of what others might think and say about them. They are afraid of God's anger and don't have a good understanding of his grace in Christ and the peace and the rest that is ours in Jesus Christ. Or perhaps they are not so much afraid of God, but of the looks, the judgment, the comments, or even the cold shoulder they feel people will give them if they do what is considered to be the wrong thing. Then there are others who believe that you have to do good work so that God will accept you, so that you might be saved. But that is not what 2 Peter 1 verse 5 is talking about at all. 2 Peter 1 verse 5 says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. It is for this very reason that we are to supplement our faith. So what is that reason? The answer to this question can be found in the verses preceding our text, 2 Peter 1 verse 1 to 4. And there Peter writes about what God has already done for us. 2 Peter is written to those, in verse 1, who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. In other words, the people to whom Peter was writing this letter shared in the same faith as Peter himself, along with the rest of the apostles. It was a faith in Jesus Christ and the righteousness that we have in him. In other words, this faith is a matter of trusting in Christ alone for our salvation. And because we've been given this faith, the blessing of God's grace and peace, verse 2, is also multiplied to us. In fact, verse 3, through his divine power, God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, everything we need for a godly life. Verse 4 adds, God has given us such great and rich promises that we may be partakers of the divine nature. We may live in Christ and we may reflect Christ more and more having escaped the corruption of the world through lust. That's what God has given us. That's who we are and that's what we are in Christ. And it is because of this, for this very reason, that we are to make every effort to supplement our faith. Supplementing or adding to our faith, therefore, is not adding to our salvation, not even adding to our standing before God and Jesus Christ. There is only one way to be saved and one way to be found acceptable before God and that is in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the truth of the gospel. That's the truth that Peter emphasised in the first four verses of this letter. But it is for this very reason that Peter now compels us to add to our faith. When Peter wrote this letter there were other people, some false teachers who were saying something else. These false teachers who claim to have some sort of special knowledge were saying that actually it doesn't matter how you live, it doesn't matter what you do in the body. Many of these false teachers would have appeared to be nice people. 2 Peter 3 verse 16 suggests that they might even have appealed to the letters written by the Apostle Paul. We read in verse 16 about Paul's letters then, there are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. They twisted God's word and caused the way of truth to be blasphemed. They were the ones who 2 Peter 
2 verse 15 says, Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. And it's in response to them that Peter wrote this letter, urging the readers of this letter to make every effort to supplement their faith. And we need to understand this as well. It is true that we are saved by grace alone and in Christ alone. It is true that our entire salvation rests in Christ's finished work. But it is equally true that we who have been saved by a true faith in Jesus Christ must live out of that faith and grow in that faith. It is equally true that we must be diligent to live in Christ and to grow in the grace he has given us. Christianity is not a dead religion. To become a Christian is a life-changing event. And so Peter tells us to supplement or to add to our faith. To add to your faith means to spare no effort in your pursuit of godliness, in your desire to grow in Christian virtue. We don't talk this way very often. We don't talk about the need to supplement your faith. But Peter uses this expression to demonstrate that godliness and a growth in godly behaviour doesn't just happen. It's not as though God says to you, go ahead, keep living like you always have, so long as you enjoy yourself and don't take yourself or your faith too seriously. It's all good. I'll give you my grace and then I'll drip feed godliness and holiness into you so that in some mysterious way you'll grow to be mature and holy. No, God does not say that to you. In fact, God tells you something else in his word. God tells you to press on, to fight against sin, to pummel your body into submission, to be diligent in doing what is right. And that's why Peter commands you to supplement your faith. Not in the way that your faith is somehow insufficient, but so that you might take what you have in Christ, live in it and grow in it. And if you don't do this to Peter 8, 1 verse 8 to 11 makes clear then you will not be living as one who has escaped the corruption of the world. You will not be living as one who partakes in the divine nature. You will not be living as one who has been cleansed from your sin and therefore your life in Christ, even your salvation in him, is placed under threat. After Peter tells us to supplement our faith with virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection and love, he then goes on in verse 8 and following, Tells us to tell us what happens if we do or don't supplement our faith in this way. 2 Peter 1 verse 8 says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The way to be effective and the way to bear fruit, therefore, is to supplement your faith with virtue and knowledge and self-control and so forth. But if you do not add these things, if you do not grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus in this manner, then you will be ineffective and unfruitful. Then your life will be wasted in your service to God. And even worse, you are warned that a branch that does not bear fruit will be cut off from the vine and thrown into the fire. Further in verse 9 we read, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. If you are not diligent in living from your faith, if you are not actively putting sin to death and striving to grow in godliness, using all the means that God has put at your disposal, then you are short-sighted to the point of being blind. You have forgotten what Jesus did for you. You have forgotten what you have in Christ, that you have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust and you are like a pig who has returned to wallow in the mire. Chapter 2, verse 22. 
when you become a Christian or when you grow in your faith to the point that you are ready to profess your faith in Christ or when you go through a great upheaval in your life where God convicts you of your sin and fills you with the grace of his forgiveness in Jesus Christ, then it's like everything has changed. You feel different. You might even look different. And the world becomes different. You're so thankful, so excited for what Christ has done for you. The Bible becomes alive and you want to read it and you want to live it. You want to grow in your relationship with God and in a life of godliness. But then sometimes what happens is that the excitement wears off. We become discouraged by the sins of others and the little sins and habits in our own lives begin to stifle out the joy of the gospel until they choke us. And our joy in Christ begins to falter and to fail. And so we go back to our old ways and our old habits as if we have forgotten that we were cleansed from our old sins. We have become short-sighted, blind. We've lost sight of what Christ has done for us. We need to realise this. If your life with Christ has become ineffective and unfruitful, if your love for the corrupt things of this world, worldliness, sexual sin, drunkenness, ungodly talk, the desire for wealth and luxury, pride and so forth, if your love for these things are gaining your attention more and more and the wonder of the gospel and the desire to live a holy Christian life is falling off your radar, then you have forgotten what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. Then you have forgotten what you were saved from and you have forgotten what it means to be cleansed from sin. And so you've stopped looking behind you to the cross of Christ and Peter will make clear in chapter 3, you have also stopped looking forward to the return of Christ when this world will be destroyed and when we look forward to a new world in which righteousness dwells. As Peter said in chapter 3 verse 11 and following, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? And that's the reason why we are to make every effort to add to our faith. That's the reason we are to strive and to give all diligence in growing in our life with God. We come to our second point, the way to add to your faith. When the Apostle Peter wrote, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith, he did not leave things there, but he gave a list of what we are to add to our faith. <clears throat> Some people have called this list the ladder of faith, as virtue is added to faith, knowledge to virtue, self-control to knowledge and so forth in a stepladder sort of fashion. In this way, Peter teaches us that there is to be a progression in our life and godliness, at the same time, however, we need to realise that you don't graduate from one of these things to the next and then move on to the next. <clears throat> Rather, we are to be doing all of these things all the time. Further, we should not think that the ladder of faith or list of things to add to your faith in 2 Peter 1 verse 5 to 7 is exhaustive. There are other things that we must also consider as we put our faith into practice. Think, for example, of the fruit of the Spirit, as we read in Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Only some of these fruits of the Spirit are listed in 2 Peter 1, verse 5 to 7. Love, patience, and self-control. 
And notice also that the order found in Galatians 5 is also different. Whereas Galatians 5 begins with love, 2 Peter 1 ends with it. And therefore, we should not make 2 Peter 1 say more than it does. The list is not intended to be exhaustive, and it's not as though you progress from one thing to another. But what 2 Peter 1 verse 5 to 7 does do is it gives us a very practical guidance in how to add to or supplement our faith and live out of the blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus. The next two sermons in this series go through these things that we are to add to our faith, but today in this sermon we'll just take note of the first one, which is virtue. Or, as you will find translated in the NIV, goodness. Now, although it's possible to do virtuous things, virtue isn't really something you do. It's more something that you are. The word virtue has the meaning of excellence or goodness as well as courage. We are to be men and women of virtue. We are to be virtuous in what we say, do and think. As God's children in Christ, as partakers of the divine nature, we are to reflect that divine nature more and more. And to do that, we must be virtuous, living to praise and glorify God. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 reminds us that God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and excellence. And if you look at the footnotes in your ESV Bible, you'll learn that the word excellence in verse 3 is the same word as virtue in verse 5. This excellence, or virtue, which is in our Lord Jesus Christ, this virtue which caused him to call us to believe in him, is to be seen in us too. As we add to our faith, we are to live out of that faith in a way that can be characterised as godly goodness and excellence, giving praise to God. Our life then is to be a life that gives glory to God. It is to be a life that exalts him. And it is to be a life where Jesus Christ is clearly reflected in us. The false teachers that Peter was writing against didn't get that. 2 Peter 2 verse 18 says, Speaking loud boasts of folly, they, that's the false teachers, enticed by sensual passions of the flesh, those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. But virtue is the opposite to that. Virtue calls us to look away from the sin and the filth of this world, as well as the pride and the selfishness of this world, and to look instead at the excellence and goodness, the virtue of God. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And we will see this happening. We will grow in virtue when we live out of our faith, when we grow in faith, when we supplement or add to our faith. We will add, to, add virtue to our faith and when we turn to God, when we turn to his word and when we love God and we love his word above all else and when we want to live for God from his word. But to grow in virtue, we need to go to the source of true virtue, which is Jesus Christ. To add virtue to our faith, we need to live in Christ and we need to grow in him. And so we see that 2 Peter 1 is not some kind of pep talk telling you to toughen up, telling you that you have the power to change in and of yourself. You will not find the strength in yourself to add virtue to your faith. It's not like you can say, I have faith, now let me go on with things in my own strength. But when we turn to Jesus Christ and when we live in him, then as partakers of the divine nature, we want to do all we can to grow in Christ. 
then we will strive to be godly, strive to be Christ-like, and strive to be men, women and children of virtue. And then as we grow in faith, we will add virtue to our faith. Our salvation is by grace alone, in Christ alone and by faith alone. But for this very reason, having been forgiven of past sin and having escaped the corruption that is in this world, let us strive to live the new life that is ours in Christ Jesus. Let us be diligent as we make every effort to supplement or add to our faith. For if we do these things, verse 10b and 11, we will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.